you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Wednesday, December 27th, 2023. And on the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. St. John the Evangelist as the saint of the day. St. John the Evangelist, the one in which Christ loved, the church in her wisdom decided to have today as a feast of St. John. Why? Well, the days after Christmas, the feast days there are of particular importance. The day after Christmas, December 26th, is about St. Stephen who was a martyr. He was celebrated as a martyr and the model of the martyrs. The second day after Christmas, December 27th, is celebrated the feast of St. John, the model of virgins, for our Lord loved the virgins. Now, St. John was of the family of David, and he was actually a kinfolk of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was a cousin of our Lord and he was a family member of the Most Holy Virgin, a relative of our Lord by flesh. So while the other disciples and apostles were friends of our Lord, he was actually flesh of our Lord, a cousin. Now, he was particularly loved not because of his kinship, but because of his virginity, because of his chastity, because our Lord loves chastity. And in his gospel, he, of course, is one that's known as the most lofty, which is why he is depicted as an eagle that flies towards the blazing star. Now, what should we meditate upon about the feast of St. John the Evangelist? Well, there are a number of points we can focus on a couple. First, and I think the most obvious, is the fact that St. John was a person that had great chastity in great virginity. For our Lord loves virginity. He loves chastity. And so we should strive to imitate John in these points. We should strive to imitate him in this manner and be a friend of our Lord in this way. The religious life is the highest life. This is not to say that there's something wrong with marriage, but simply to give your life over to Christ, whole and entire, consecrating all that you are to him is a higher life. The second point is that our Lord here shows the beginnings of the devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus. We're coming up on the first Friday and first Saturday devotions, and we should dedicate it to the sacred heart and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And St. John was the first devotee to the sacred heart as he laid his head on the breast of Christ. In fact, so much so that St. Peter, whenever our Lord said there was a traitor among them, Peter did not want to ask our Lord himself, but instead asked St. John to ask our Lord. Isn't that interesting? Now, thirdly, is that St. John was rewarded for his virginity, for his faithfulness, for his love. He was rewarded. Peter was given the church, but St. John was given Our Lady. 
It was Our Lady who was told by our Lord, Behold your son, and to St. John, Behold your mother. And fourthly and lastly, we'll meditate upon the fact that St. John, when he wrote his gospel, wrote it to combat heresy, that from the very beginning, he was a counter-revolutionary. He fought against heresy, rising up against the human and divine natures of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what should we ask for from St. John on this feast day? We should ask him to give us the same qualities of soul that he had. That he grant us an ever increase in devotion to the Blessed Virgin, that we foster a relationship with Our Lady as he did, and that we have an ever-growing devotion to the most sacred heart of Jesus. St. John the Evangelist, pray Pray for for us. us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning. Happy happy Christmas. I was going to say happy birthday, but actually it's Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy birthday, Uh, Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus. (laughs) Amen. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty good Christmas. I would say it's, let's say, let's December see. 27th. We are on the third day of Christmas. So that leaves us with 12, 11, 10, nine more days of Christmas. That's right. Okay. I'm trying to do math and doing math in on air is always a bad idea. Yeah, I know. I always freeze up when I do, I do the math here. So nine you know, more it's kind of sad. Yeah, nine more days of Christmas. You know what's kind of sad is that uh, I was at Chick Fil A yesterday. No, <laughs> Chick Fil A. Uh, I was at Chick Fil A, and uh, wow, they really let me down. Really? They were putting down the Christmas tree. What? They were putting down Already? the Christmas tree. All the decor it was gone. Man, very. It's very not sad. even. It's not even like the end of the week yet. I know. Like at least wait until the end of the week. I know. So here's the thing, guys. Okay, here's the thing. Okay, the decorations, I get it. People get annoyed. The pop culture, they get annoyed. I would say keep your decorations up all the way to February until the presentation of our Lord in the temple. But, okay, I get it. You're getting pressure from the people. too. So at least, at the very least, do the 12 days of Christmas. Wait until Epiphany for crying out loud. And then you can start slowly taking down your decorations. Slowly. It's because... Big St. Valentine is coming after them, and they need to make room so that they can do their next commercial holiday. Right, right. Valentine's Day is like a whole nother month. I know. It's not even until February. At least wait until like January. It's absurd. Wow. That is insane. When you're king, you can uh, fix that problem. Yeah. When I become king, I will mandate by law, punishable by flogging. To you're required to leave your Christmas decorations up at least until Epiphany. Bonus points if you wait to the presentation of our Lord. So there you go, folks. That's going to be binding when I take over. Just so you know, or just so you know ahead of time, you, so you can prepare yourselves. But what are we talking about today? So coming up at 15 past the hour, an amazing sermon from the African bishop. Um, we're going to talk about this, Bishop Martin Anwal. Mutambuka. I am never going to say these names correctly, just so you know. (laughs) But he had an amazing sermon, and I'm going to play a section of that for y'all. It was a a 20-minute sermon, and I was able to cut it down to a reasonable length. And so we are going to be able to listen to that during the 15, 15 past the hour. And at 30 past the hour, a number of people got swatted coming up. And um, what is swatting? 
and why is that bad? We'll talk about that. And lastly, a Muslim terrorist killed 150 Christian villagers. So this was not talked about in the public media, and we're going to talk about it because this is our people. All right, let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions. We're going to be praying that you have a very Merry Christmas. We're praying for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those we promise to pray for. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O divine infant Jesus, I have recourse to thee. Please, through thy blessed mother, assist me in this necessity, because I firmly believe that thy divinity can help me. I hope with confidence to obtain thy holy grace. I love thee with all my heart and with all the strength of my soul. I repent sincerely of my sins, and I beg thee, O good Jesus, to grant me the strength to triumph over them. I resolve nevermore to offend thee, and I come to offer myself to thee with the intention of enduring everything rather than to displease thee. Henceforth, I desire to serve thee with fidelity, and for the love of thee, O divine infant, I will love my neighbor as myself. All-powerful infant, O Jesus, I implore thee again, assist me in this need. Grant me the grace of possessing thee eternally with Mary and Joseph, and of adoring thee with the angels in the heavenly court. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Merry Christmas. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are some of your breaking news and headlines this morning. Monsignor Pope informs D.C. parishioners he will not bless couples in same-sex or irregular unions. He says, quote, As your pastor, I want to say that this declaration requires no changes at our parish, and that there will not be the conferring of informal blessings here for relationships of couples in irregular unions. I say this because in the discernment I am required to make as a pastor, I think the blessings of such unions would in fact lead to confusion and scandal among the faithful regarding the church's teaching on marriage and sexuality." Monsignor Charles Pope, pastor of Holy Comforter at uh, St. Cyprian Catholic Church in Washington, D.C., said, He's also the host of A Life Lived Joyfully here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Monsignor Pope is widely known for his defense of the traditional Latin Mass and his outspokenness of the sanctity of life and marriage. In the past, he has decried the apparent departure from Catholic teaching being pushed by Rome's synod on synodality, saying, quote, From all I hear about this synodal church, I don't want it. I want the Catholic Church. I want the Church of the Martyrs, of the Saints. I want the Catholic Church who is the bride, not a widow the bride of Christ, not a disciple of the world, who has a joyful orthodoxy that is opposed to the world in order to convert it, unquote. And the Catholic Church reportedly is closer to getting its first samurai saint. The Vatican is currently investigating miracles associated with the intercession of blessed Eustace Ukon Takayama that, if confirmed, could lead to the canonization of the Church's first samurai saint. Hey, way to go. Born in a castle to a noble Japanese Buddhist family in 1552, Takayama was raised to be a warrior and an exemplar of the Japanese spirit and culture. The Takayama were daimyo, members of the class of ruling feudal lords who held vast estates and were entitled to raise armies. A renowned Japanese warrior in his day and a man of great learning and culture, Takayama renounced his power and possessions rather than to give up his Christian faith. For his defiance, Takayama was exiled from Japan, fleeing with 300 other Christians to the Philippines, where he died in 1615. And finally, a Christmas massacre. Nigerian gunmen kill at least 140 in Christian-dominated regions. 
At least 140 people were killed by gunmen who attacked remote villages over two days in north-central Nigeria's Plateau State. Survivors and officials said Tuesday in the latest of such mass killings this year blamed on the West's African nation's farmer-herder crisis. No group took responsibility for the attacks, though the blame fell on herders from the Fulani tribe who have been accused of carrying out such mass killings across the northwest and central regions, where decades-long conflict over access to land and water has further worsened the sectarian division between Christians and Muslims in Africa's most populous nation. Now, those are some of your headline news this morning, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more. The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 8. Now, here, this passage, I think, is incredibly interesting. I'm going to skip to the end of this passage, and if we have time, I want to work backwards, because here's something that I think is very interesting. Verse 8 here, or, yeah, verse 6 through 8. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulcher, and saw the linen clothes lying. And the napkin that had been about his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but apart, wrapped up into one piece. Then the other disciple also went in, who came first to the sepulcher, and he saw, and he and they believed. So here it says they went in the first that Peter went in first, and then John went in. And so Toledo says that John here is signified all Christians, but Peter the pontiffs the vicars of Christ. Peter then entered the tomb first as the highest indignity as a victor of Christ, as a vicar of Christ. But John came last because it is possible that he who is first in rank is behind others and deserts and holiness. Notice this. He's saying here that John was holier than Peter, but Peter had a higher dignity because of his rank, because of his office. That's very, very interesting to keep in mind because being the Pope, being the vicar of Christ, it is a very objectively a high office, the highest office on earth. However, it does not make you holy. We refer to the vicar of Christ as the Holy Father in the sense that the word holy means set apart. He is one who is set apart, the one who is uh, the head of all the bishops in the world, the head of the church. In that sense, he is holy. But in terms of sanctity, that is something entirely different. For John was holier than Peter, and yet Peter went into the tomb first. That's something to meditate upon today. So let's think about that and let's pray for our pontiff and let's pray for our bishops. When we come back, a sermon from an amazing bishop. We'll be right back, right after this. Seventh-day Adventists use Ecclesiastes 9.10 to argue that souls in heaven aren't cognitively aware of our prayers because the inspired author says that souls don't have any knowledge in the afterlife. But this objection fails because the inspired author was operating with a limited and vague view of the afterlife without New Testament revelation. When we come to the New Testament, it's a whole new ballgame. Consider Revelation 5.8, where 24 presbyters, human souls, surround Jesus and offer him the prayers of Christians on earth in the form of incense. How could they do this if they weren't cognitively aware of all those prayers? So just because an Old Testament passage speaks of the afterlife, 
in a way that's not compatible with the intercession of the saints? It doesn't follow that the Catholic doctrine is proven unbiblical. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Guadalupe Radio Network announces the launch of La Promesa Legacy Circle, formed to recognize and honor our dedicated donors who have made long-term commitments to the network through gifts from their estates. We invite you to join our family and allow us to be a part of your personal legacy. For more information on making a legacy gift for the benefit of the GRN and a guide to charitable estate planning, contact our friends at the Catholic Foundation at 972-661-9792 or info at catholicfoundation.com. Christmas, uh, third day of Christmas. That is to be to be specific. Happy third day of Christmas, 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 Christmas. Two front teeth. There you go. I can say words. There we go. So praise be to God. It's so good to be on with you on this Christmas morning, December twenty seventh, the third day of Christmas. Don't put down your decorations. Obviously, if you have a real tree and it may be a fire hazard, then might be a good idea to maybe take it down. But if you can, or if you've been keeping up with your trees, watering it, making sure it's nice and moist, leave it up. Or if you have a fake tree, definitely leave it up. Stay, Keep it up all the way until February if you can. But keep the decorations going as long as you can, at least until Epiphany. Okay, on to the story here. I We're going to play a sermon for you. I have a, there's a sermon that was put out. It was a from Bishop Martin Anuel Mutambuka. I'm probably saying his name completely incorrect. Uh, he gave a sermon on at St. Anne's Parish on December 24th, 2023, during the Christmas Vigil Liturgy. Here he expresses his concerns about the, quote, pastoral meaning of blessing fiducia supplicans and asks that his faithful ignore it in its entirety. I think it was an amazing sermon. I was able to take that 20-minute sermon, and I cut out all the spaces. I didn't take out any of the content, and I just took out his breaths and his spaces and things like that, and it comes out to just about just under 13 minutes. So we're going to play that entire sermon for you now. I would like now to briefly give our response or our reflection on the declaration from the Odyssey entitled Fiducia. Supplicus. This declaration, Fiducia Supplicus, was released on 18 December 2023 and signed by the Holy Father. Nevertheless, on the basis of the reports I've received, the reactions I've received from you, the faithful of this diocese, I would like to honestly reflect on this declaration, even if by doing so, I'm reflecting publicly on a document signed by the Holy Father. But I have to, because it's important that you, the faithful of this diocese, entrusted to my pastoral care by the same Holy Father, are guided, are supported, and uh, are strengthened at this moment. I begin with apologies. First and foremost, I would like to most sincerely apologize to all the many Catholics, baptized, catechumens, adults, youths, children, and all people of goodwill in our Diocese of Karonga who look up to the Catholic Church in general and the Holy Father in particular for moral and spiritual guidance. From the reports I have received, it, it is very clear that very many faithful in our diocese and beyond have not only been offended by the said declaration, 
but very much scandalized to see the signature of the Holy Father appended to such a document. I want to most sincerely say I'm very sorry for being so deeply hurt and scandalized by this declaration. I have also been told that many of you are particularly shocked and saddened that such a controversial document could be released at Christmas time, a time of celebration and joy. Briefly, why was this declaration written? Unfortunately, it is very difficult to know exactly why this document was written. It certainly cannot be said it was written for pastoral reasons. Because it must have been known and very clearly known to its drafters that such a document would not only offend but also scandalize many Catholics in some parts of the world, especially here in Africa and also in Asia. Because we cannot argue that for the Holy Father, offending or scandalizing the faithful is part of his pastoral care for the flock of Christ entrusted to him. I am particularly hurt that the drafters knew that in some parts of the world, like here in Karonga, in Malawi, in Africa, we have believers who are simple people, but with strong faith, but also simple faith. But they follow Christ honestly. Some of them, especially like in St. Matthias Parish, they walk for two days to attend Mass with me. Two days. How many Christians in New York, Rome, Frankfurt, walk for two days to attend Mass? These are the simple people. I am, together with my brother priest, guiding towards their creator. And then they get offended by the very office that gave me this mandate, by the same office that they look up to so much for encouragement and support. Was this letter written to please homosexuals and their promoters? We don't know. Can the church depart from its rightful path simply to please a certain people who live in immoral unions? If yes, why could this be done? Do pastors do things like this in good faith? Or was this document written mainly to gain cheap popularity? It would seem in many parts of the world, certainly many people have celebrated this document as a sign of progress in the church. And the popularity of its, its drafters has certainly increased. Our major concerns with this document or declaration. Our major concern is that this document looks to us like a heresy. It reads like a heresy and it's, it affects heresy. The document asks us to bless two people of same sex as individuals, but not as a couple. 
So these two people of same sex, who the previous night slept together like a couple and present themselves to us as a couple, are blessed as individuals, but they leave our presence as a couple. They go to their home as a couple. They sleep in the same bed as a couple. But the document says that they are not blessed as a couple, or they, although they appear to have been blessed like a couple. How could this be? not changing the authentic teaching of the church. Some of you, many of you, have asked, why did the Holy Father sign such a document? Unfortunately, I don't know why. The simple answer really is that we don't know why the Pope was allowed to sign this document. Some have said his advisors didn't want to stop him because they were afraid of him. But what would they be afraid of? What would they lose by defending the truth? Some have said they wanted to please him so that he can please them. How? I don't know. It is very hard for me to give you the faith of this diocese. Why the Holy Father signed this document? Our stand as a bishop in Malawi here, but my stand also, because I'm talking to you, the faithful of Karonga. We in this diocese, and certainly in Malawi, are not going to allow the recommended blessings of same-sex union in our dioceses. It is very sad for me that for the first time in the history of the church, a document released from the Holy See, signed by the Holy Father, is rejected by his fellow bishops and publicly rejected. It's sad. The Catholic Church is old, as old as Christianity itself. This has never happened before. But we have no choice. We cannot allow such an, an offensive and apparently blasphemous declaration to be implemented in our dioceses. Accusations against us. Those who have seen our rejection of this document have accused us of many things. First of all, that by sticking to rules of the church or the scripture and, the, and tradition of the church, we prevent carrying out our responsibility as pastors effectively. Some have told us that we should be willing to explore new paths and new roads in governing the local churches, such as blessing same-sex unions. Some have said that we should not be ideologically rigid in our faith and in our pastoral work and in teaching our faith. Instead, we are being told and encouraged to allow our doctrine of the faith to change alongside ideological changes taking place in the world, social and political changes taking place in the world, so that the, the faith may be modern, so that the church might be modern. In other words, we are told that in fulfilling our responsibility as successors of the apostles, leading people to God, we should be fashionable. Unfortunately to all this, all these accusations, our response is clear. Please keep your allies for yourself. You must judge for yourself whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to such advice, ill advice, and to obey you rather than God. For we on our part cannot stop tearing the faith entrusted to our pastoral care by God through the Holy Father that they should follow and do 
what is rooted in scriptures and in the tradition of the church. All those who ill-advise us like this, our response is that we are not idiots. We know your ultimate goal, which I will not mention here, but Toto, Takana, we are not accepting this declaration. Our appeal to our offended and scandalized faith. You, my brother and sister Christians, and all of you across the diocese, please don't leave the church as some of you have threatened to do because of being very offended and scandalized that the Holy Father signed this document. To begin with, you were not baptized in the name of a pope. You were baptized in the name of the Holy Trinity. Secondly, when you die, when you leave this world, you will not be judged by Pope Francis. You will not be judged by Bishop Martin. You will be judged by Jesus Christ, as we are going to proclaim not far from now in, when singing the creed. Thirdly, know that it is not me, it is not Pope Francis, who was crucified on the cross for you. It is Jesus. Follow him to leave the church because of this mistake. You will also be doing the work of the devil. The devil will be happy to destroy your faith because of things like this. Thirdly, remember, dear faithful, that the first pope, namely Peter, seriously erred by denying Jesus three times. And one of the apostles of Jesus sold him to his enemies. The denial of Peter, the first pope. We can also, I want to tell you, that popes can err, except when they are teaching officially to define and act. We're going to go to quick break. When we come back, we'll finish out the last about 45 seconds of that sermon. Uh, thank you very much to this wonderful bishop. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time. And remember, Merry Christmas, the third day of Christmas. It's not over yet. Let's keep celebrating. Hi, Julie Carrick here, host of We Sing Our Faith, sharing the music and ministry of many of today's Catholic recording artists. I am delighted to be the host of this weekly program on Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock Central Time. Julie Carrick with We Sing Our Faith, Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock Central, here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says, All comfort must be based on discomfort. What's that supposed to mean? It has something to do with the fact that we celebrate Christmas in December. It is the feast in the middle of winter. We are choosing to be joyful at the very moment when the whole material world around us is most sad. We are defying cold death outside by celebrating life inside. And that's why there's nothing more comfortable than a blazing fire in the middle of a blizzard, and why we bring a green tree inside and decorate it and talk of good cheer in the face of darkness and death. Tidings of comfort and joy. Because all comfort is based on discomfort. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rick Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. 
why resurrection biology is gaining traction around the world. That's the headline from News and Record. Colossal Biosciences, a biotech startup, aims to combat the accelerating rate of extinctions by resurrecting lost species, including the dodo, using cutting-edge biotechnology, ancient DNA sequencing, gene editing, and synthetic biology. The company plans to recreate the woolly mammoth and the thylacine as well. Colossal Biosciences, in collaboration with the Mauritian Wildlife Foundation, is conducting a feasibility study to determine suitable habitats for the resurrected birds, acknowledging challenges in locating an appropriate environment on the transformed island of Mauritius. Avian paleontologist Julian Holm cautions that even if successful, the recreated species will be dodo-esque, requiring years of selective breeding to approximate the original. Even if the, the researchers are successful in this high-stakes endeavor, they won't be making a carbon copy of the dodo that lived four centuries ago, but an altered hybrid form instead. Now, I'm pretty sure that there was a documentary warning against this called Jurassic Park. <laughs> and here's a, a, another article from The Loop. Americans are fleeing the blue states. New York, California, and several other Democratic states saw their native population decline in 2023, according to new data released by the U.S. Census Bureau. New York lost the most residents, about 100,000, followed by California with 75,000. Those are all of your headlines this morning. Thank you for listening to Catholic Drive Time. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Thank you very much, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. We're going to play for you the last about I, I mistimed it. I, I did. I spent too long talking about your Christmas tree and I didn't time it exactly right. So there is a minute and about 20 seconds of that um, sermon that Bishop Martin was giving. And I want to play that for you because he ends it so well. And he tell he says, don't leave the faith. Don't leave the faith. And I think it's beautiful to hear. So we'll play that. Our response or our reflection on the declaration from that strong people image. The cross I referred to was a big scandal to the first Christians. But some nevertheless remained steadfast. May Mary, who has given birth to our Savior, intercede for you. That you may remain strong in your faith. But please, my brothers and sisters, forget and ignore this controversial and apparently blasphemous declaration in its entirety and have a peaceful Christmas. Amen. 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 Yes, the that sermon from this the good bishop was absolutely tremendous, and I love how he, he was talking about the fact that we should not, we're not going to be judged on our judgment day by Pope Francis. We're not going to be judged by Bishop Martin, who this is, that's his name, Bishop Martin. And we're not going to be judged by either of those people. We're not going to be judged by them. Our judge will be our Lord Jesus Christ. So we should worry more about offending God rather than offending man. For our judgment day, it is he who will be our judge and he will be the most just judge. I also like what he said. He said, though, okay. They're saying that we're blessing the individual and not the sin, but yay, they show up as a couple. They present themselves as a couple. They go off and do their immoral actions as a couple. 
and I'm supposed to be saying, oh, yeah, I'm just blessing them as individuals. That doesn't make any sense. The African bishops have been excellent on this as a whole. I could read to you statement after statement after statement of the various African bishops coming out. I also think it's important to note that Bishop Martin, he is not some radical traditionalist. Bishop Martin even pointed out in his sermon, I was given this mandate by the same pope who issued this letter. I was given, he's saying, I was made a bishop by Pope Francis. And I was given the missionary mandate of sanctifying, governing this diocese to teach, to govern, and to sanctify this diocese. And so I must. And I think that's very important to note. There are many, many bishops out there who are coming out and they are preaching the truth, especially in Africa. And notice what he said there. He said that where people keep talking about the peripheries, people keep talking about those who are, a, are, are the simple faithful. And he's saying, what more simple faithful do you, do you want than here in Africa? I have, he said, I have people who come to my church who walk two days to get to mass, two days to get to mass. And how far do you go for mass? Do you complain to drive 30 minutes, 45 minutes to get to a good parish? Maybe you go to a parish that's not so good and you're like, well, you know, I know there's a good parish about an hour away, but uh, you want me to drive an hour to get to mass on Sunday? The people in Africa are walking two days to get to Holy Mass. What can we do? And notice also, he said, this is a scandal. The whole thing is a scandal because people are saying, oh, but the, the document says that it cannot cause scandal. If it causes scandal, we can't do it. And this bishop is saying the entire document scandalizes the faithful in Africa. And also notice, he said that people are threatening to leave the church over this document. Are threatening to leave the church over this document. Ambiguity is not charity. It can never be charity. And personally, I don't think it's ambiguous. I think it's very clear It's just clearly not good. And I think it's important to note this, that these things that are, that people are doing for the, in the name of inclusion in the name of drawing people into the church, you're drawing in people into the church for the sake of what to draw out, to push away the faithful, to push away those who believe in the faith whole and entire, who want to live According to the dictates of the church, those are the people you're pushing away for the sake of what? For the sake of allowing gays to get blessed? That's such a strange thing to do. It's such a strange thing to do, especially whenever you cause so much anxiety and pain and suffering and scandal to the little ones. Because remember, whenever our Lord says that it'll be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the sea rather than to scandalize the little ones, that all the commentators say that the little ones refer to those little in faith. Those who have a simple faith. That's what was referred to by little ones. We kind of spin that passage to refer to children, to kids, to refer to people who abuse children. That's kind of why we kind of spin that 
passage. And sure, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Scripture always has multiple senses, and we use Scripture in that way. But the primary meaning of that text is actually that those who scandalize, who cause people with simple faith to lose their faith, that it would be better, better for them to die. Why? Why would that be the case? Well, St. Thomas Aquinas, when he talks about this, he says that, because of course, St. Thomas was defending the death penalty. And he says that the death penalty should be used for cases of murder, of course. But he says, if the death penalty can be used for those who murder, how much more for those who murder the soul? Because those who scandalize the faithful those who teach and preach heresy and cause others to fall into heresy, who scandalize people enough that they leave the church, they're murdering souls because there is no salvation outside the church. So if you buy scandal, you drive someone outside of the church. What does that mean? You just played a pivotal role in damning somebody to hell. That is horrendous. God forbid it. I pray that, the ne- that I never cause somebody to leave the faith because I do not want to answer for that on my judgment day. And that's why it would be better to be cast into the sea because if you're cast in the sea, yeah, you may die. But if you scandalize someone and cause them to lose their faith, cause them to be damned, you have to answer for that at judgment day. You're going to be before the just judge and will have to answer for your scandal. We'll have to answer for every idle word. This is a very hard saying and a very scary thing, especially for people who speak for a living, people who talk to groups of people for a living, for bishops, for pastors. This is a humongous burden. And we have to be careful. We have to use that power, that authority, that influence very carefully lest we lose our own souls it's something to meditate upon today so don't leave the church it is a pillar and foundation of truth and Christ died for us not Pope Francis not our local bishop not our pastor it was Christ who died for us let's be faithful to him This is Mike and Alicia Hernan with the Messy Family Minute. When you have a fight with your spouse or, I mean, a discussion with emotion, uh, it's very easy to have tunnel vision and to make the goal of communication getting our way. Because, of course, we are right and they are wrong. The reality is there are many things couples need to decide that aren't moral issues, but instead prudential judgments. Often we can become obsessed with making the perfect decision, but we all need to remember that at the end of the day, Even if you have a smarter idea than your spouse, it's better to be wrong together than right alone. The goal of communication in marriage is not about being right or even simply being understood, but it's about achieving unity. We need to trust our spouse and listen with an open heart and being willing to see from a different perspective. Becoming a better listener with your spouse will actually make you a better person. For more insights, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason, your Wednesday host of A Life Lived Joyfully, presented by the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern, as we begin with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by A Life Lived Joyfully. We're going to explore the call to holiness and the life of virtue. And be sure to call in with your questions during our open line segment. That number is 877-757-9424. That is 877-757-9424. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Merry Christmas to you. The third day of Christmas. What did you get for the third day of Christmas? Let's see. The first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. It is a partridge in a pear tree, two turtle doves. Then, what is the third one? The third one is three. Hmm. I don't know. What did my true love give to me? Let me know. Let me know what you got on the third day of Christmas. Are you giving gifts all 12 days of Christmas? I guess you got to be pretty much a, a pretty big baller to, to be giving gifts every day for 12 days. But if that happens to be you, I'd be very curious. I did that once for a friend. I, uh, <laughs> in, um, high school, I think it was my buddy. Uh, we would always try to one up each other in gifts. And so he and I would, uh, one year we just like try to mess with each other. And so I gave him just like a bunch of small gifts over the course of 12 days and would just wrap them in uh, increasingly absurd ways. But he ended up winning because he ended up wrapping this ginormous box that dwindled down to a little bitty iPod Nano. And so it was, it took me like an hour to get through all the layers. But I'd be curious, what are you doing for the 12 days of Christmas? Are you leaving your Christmas lights up? I hope so. I hope so. And if you would, I would be very grateful to hear and see what you have going on. So if you'd like to, you can connect with me on social media. Uh, X is my vice of choice, uh, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. And there I probably interact with people the most, but also Facebook, Instagram, all that jazz. And of course, you can also uh, send me an email. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Okay, so on to this story. There is a story that is, whew, it's not going to get any traction, I guarantee it. I guarantee nobody's going to talk about it because nobody cares about Christians. The Catholic faithful around the world, the Christians in general around the world, are the most uncared for people in the world. There is the Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the world, and nobody talks about it. If another group of people gets attacked or gets killed or gets hate the entire all the media is an uproar everyone's talking about it you'll have a week-long news cycle about it you'll have congressional action we'll have the the government say we need to get involved in foreign wars to protect other groups of people whether it be ukrainians or whether it be israel or whether it be Whatever it is. But what about our Christian brothers and sisters? Does anybody care about them? No. Of course not. Are we going to see any care for them? No. In fact, I've been looking and there is not a single secular news out that I could find that is reporting on the story. The only ones I could find, and here's the headline, Nigeria death toll in Christmas jihad massacre rises to 160. 
I saw this from Jihad Watch. I saw it from Catholic Vote. And then I had to go to African websites to find anything else. Uh, TruthNigeria.com was another one I found. That's it. I didn't find a single other, I didn't find a singular secular news outlet that reported on this. Not a single one. 160 Christians killed. 160 during Christmas time. Absolute absurdity. And have you even heard about it other than from Rudy? Rudy reported it this morning. But other than from Rudy, have you heard about it? Did anybody talk about it? So, according to Catholic Vote, Muslim terrorists have killed at least 150 Nigerians in several attacks since December 23rd. I was looking at the at some of the other sites, and they report 160. The initial reports reported 70, and over the course of the next few days, from the it rose from 70 to 113 to 150 to 600 uh, to 160, with well over 500 wounded. This is a massive, massive attack on Christian faithful. Now, specifically, they were targeted in numerous Christian villages and homes on Christmas Eve. Truth Nigeria reported that terrorists began attacking Christian homes in the village of Guana in Central Plateau State at 10 p.m. local time on December 23rd. Though a small group was finishing evening devotions, the majority of villagers were sleeping when the terrorists opened fire. According to a local pastor, the villagers that remained in their house instead of fleeing were killed. County Chairman Monday Kassa said that at least 16 people were killed in Guana. We cannot say exactly why this attack was carried out, but the victims are exclusively members of one ethnic group, Kassa told Truth Nigeria. The group happens to be Christian. Isn't that crazy how it just happens to be Christian? According to Truth Nigeria, the terrorists have been linked to the Fulani tribe, a predominantly Muslim nomadic group that holds significant political power. The attacks, believed to be driven by land grab and ethnic displacements, have forced thousands of residents to evacuate their homes amidst intense gunfire by terrorists, speaking the Fulani dialect according to eyewitnesses, Truth Nigeria reported. Truth Nigeria added that in the first half of 2023 alone, Fulani-linked attacks resulted in the deaths of over 2,500 Christians in Nigeria. In the first half of 2023 alone, 2,500 Christians in Nigeria. 2,500. That is a lot of people. In the first half of 2023 alone. It's interesting, I was going to say funny, but it's not funny at all, is that this happens every Christmas season. I was seeing on X, people were responding, talking about this story among different Catholic crowds, and they were sharing stories from last year where Muslim groups, not necessarily the same the same particular tribe, but Muslim groups every Christmas season throughout Africa, Muslim groups kill Christians. In fact, throughout every major Christian holiday, Muslim groups kill Christians in Africa. And nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about it. It's not necessarily the same tribes every single year, but Muslims on Christian crimes during 
Christian holidays happens all the time in Africa, all the time. And nobody cares. Nobody reports on it. The West completely ignores Africa. On Christmas Eve, the terrorists opened fire again and began burning houses in several other villages in Central Plateau State, specifically targeting, quote, non-Muslim ethnic groups, end quote. The next day, several Christians were still fleeing from the terrorists, and at least 20 people were confirmed dead. According to Chairman Kassaw, the current death toll in the state is 150 as of December 26th, with 500 wounded. As of today, I saw the reports go up to 160. So that's the story, and I want you to think to yourself as you're seeing news reports come out today, is anybody talking about it? And if you do see a secular news outlet talking about it, I'd be very curious because I imagine that very few people will. And if they do, they're probably going to frame it in such a way that it's like, oh, it's just the warring tribes and things like that. They're not going to explain the narrative that it's Christians specifically being targeted by Muslim groups. And if they do, they're going to say, oh, see, this is going to be a disaster because now there's going to be more anti, what do they call it? Islamophobia. There we go. Absolutely horrific. Now, a jihad conflict has raged in northeastern Nigeria since 2009. This comes from Jihad Watch. Killing tens of thousands of people and displacing around 2 million as Boko Haram battles for supremacy with rivals linked to the Islamic State group. So, we've seen since 2009, and I, you might probably remember of hearing about Boko Haram in the last few years. It comes up in the news every once in a while. But since 2009, tens of thousands killed, 2 million displaced. And here we're talking about the northeastern Nigeria area. I'd be curious to see what it looks like for the entire continent of Africa. This is absolutely horrific. And meanwhile, meanwhile, so Catholics are being, uh, Catholics and Christians in general are being slaughtered and displaced around Africa. And meanwhile, the people in the US, the UK, Germany are calling the African Catholics over there backwards. They're calling them bigots because they don't want homosexuality be promoted. They don't want to have blessings for sodomites. They don't want to have those things in their culture. And meanwhile, this is what's happening in their backyard. This is what they're dealing with in their news cycle. And we have the audacity to call them bigots. We have the audacity to say that they are the ones that are being unfaithful. They literally are have martyrs all across their continent. The church in Africa is under attack almost on a daily basis. And yet, what are we doing? We are worried about blessing homosexual unions. It just shows you. Like, think about it. Put, your, put yourself in their shoes. Imagine you're a Catholic faithful who is trying to go to Christmas Mass and people are being slaughtered across your country across your continent. Meanwhile, you see this document come out from the Vatican. You're thinking, why am I dying? What am I dying for? 
Why am I doing this? No wonder. No wonder they're reacting the way they are. No wonder the African bishops are speaking out so strongly. What a grace that they have such wonderful faith. Let us have just a fraction of that faith. Let's imitate that faith, recognizing that it's not the time to abandon ship. Now is the time to be faithful ever the more. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds ever more. We have the chance, the opportunity to be great saints. Maybe not now. We're not going to be martyred the way our brothers and sisters in Africa are. But maybe that's coming one day. It could happen. But right now, at the very least, let us stand up for the truth. Where it costs us very little. It costs us very little here in the United States or throughout the West to stand up for the truth. We may become a financial martyr, but we weren't, we're not going to be slaughtered yet. It's not happening in our, in the West. So let's stand up for the truth. Let's imitate our African brothers and sisters and let's pray for them and let's tell people about it because no one's talking about it. We're the only ones. If you and I don't talk about our brothers and sisters in Christ who are being killed, who will? Who will stand up for them? Who will be the voice for the voiceless? It has to be you. There's no one else. So let's pray for our brothers and sisters and let's remain steadfast in our faith. Let's love God. Let's pray for our Holy Father and let us have the strength to be martyrs. We'll be right back right after this. This is Life News Radio. I'm Jim Anderson. Just released new Project Veritas video recordings by an undercover reporter show Planned Parenthood staff in Kansas City, Missouri, bragging about how they execute interstate trafficking of minors for abortions, saying we never tell the parents anything. The two tell how they can help the undercover reporter take his younger relative across state lines for an abortion to avoid Missouri laws that restrict abortion. Operation Rescue's Troy Newman cooperated with the Center for Medical Progress in 2015 undercover recordings in California, actions that are typically protected by the First Amendment. In the wake of those abortion specimen investigations, he is now being crushed by over 16 million in judgments from a Planned Parenthood racketeering lawsuit. This is Life News Radio. News at Life News Radio should make you think, and often it should make you think about calling your elected officials in Washington, D.C. So remember this phone number, 202-224-3121. Let your senators, your representatives, hear from you, 202-224-3121. Because Arizona's Attorney General refuses to defend state law on abortion, an Arizona doctor has been assigned to take up the litigation in that case. Alliance Defending Freedom Attorneys are taking Dr. Eric Hazelrig's case to Arizona's Supreme Court. They want that court to overturn lower court rulings that favor abortion industry interests and cancel state pro-life legislation stretching from 1901 to just last year. And Florida doctor Gracie Pozo Christie is blasting attempts there to remove patient medical protections specifically for the abortion industry. For pro-life headlines delivered to your email address daily, sign up at lifenews.com. This has been Life News Radio.
Christmas. On the third day of Christmas, my, my true love sent to me. Three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. I don't know what a partridge sounds like, but I know the dove. The dove will be like... My guess is it probably sounds like a dove. I think you're probably probably somewhere in that in that family. At least they look like kind of like doves. So, what are you getting me for the third day of Christmas? Are you getting me three French hens, Rudy? Um. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got the I got the whole bird cage ready to go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. How many birds did they give away for Christmas? This, a lot. Whoever this they're guy like is, all birds. They just gave them <laughs> birds all the way down. <laughs> now maybe maybe sometime during the Christmas, the twelve days of Christmas, we'll talk about uh, the meaning behind the twelve days of Christmas. There's a couple legends around the creation of the twelve days of Christmas. Some have said that it was. A what did they say? It was like a secret way of teaching um, some catechism during the Anglican Revolution because hmm. you the Catholics could not they couldn't teach the Catholic faith because they were Anglicans now, and so they would hide and they would do the twelve days of Christmas instead, and each of the days symbolized different things. So the partridge was the sun. And relating to to the pear tree, but I have to go back and find the description of what each of them means. So maybe maybe next week, if we have time, we can um, go in through the actual meaning of the text. I think that might be a interesting and worthwhile um, task. Yeah, you know, and and it's a little known fact that the fifth day of Christmas is what inspired Lord of the Rings. It inspired Tolkien to write about Lord of the Rings. Because, you know, five golden rings. He then took that idea, ran with it, and included that into the Lord of the Rings series where, you know, there were the rings of power. So really interesting stuff is what I would have said. I was about to say, you're making that that up. You're making that up. There's there's no way that's true. Jeez, Rudy. My friend Luca told me. Your friend Luca told you. Right, right. (laughs) Well, the, you know, I was thinking, I was like, wait a second, were there, are there five rings of power? I don't think that's five golden rings of power. Yeah, well, there you go, folks. Uh, Did anybody get you five golden rings? They're not yet. They're going to get it for you. On the fifth day of Christmas. Today's only the third day. So many more days to go. Man, I cannot believe you. I was like, there's only one ring. There's the one ring. But then there's the other rings, right? For each of the different races. And I forget what the details are. It's too bad Tim's not here. Tim's on vacation. He's our resident Tolkien expert. He would have. He's like, Adrian, obviously it's this (laughs) and not that. But praise be to God. Okay. Anyway, on to a story that I think is important to talk about. And maybe we'll circle back and talk about the 12 days of Christmas. But really, did you see the swatting that was happening all across the U S during Christmas? Yeah. Marjorie Taylor green got swatted while she was at Christmas dinner. It's awful. It's just horrible. And for those of you who don't know what swatting is, swatting is when, you know, trolls or people who disagree with you, they will call the SWAT and say they're, they're going to say something like, um, Hey, this person's really dangerous. Uh, you should really go and check them out. Or you can say something like, Hey, this person's about to commit something. You should really get, get over there right now. And somehow they find their addresses and all these, these other personal details of these people. 
And then they tell the the SWAT they show up full force, they kick your door down mm-hmm. and interrupt your your meal or interrupt whatever you're in the middle of doing. It's really a disruptive thing. It's it's really rude. Well, it's much worse than rude. It is dangerous because the way you get the SWAT team to come to your house, because if you say like, oh, there's a disturbance at my neighbor's house, there's yelling, they're not going to bust your door down and, and start aiming weapons around. They're going to come knock on your door because the, the police might come like, hey, you know, I heard there was a disturbance, everything okay. And if they have a, a reason where they hear things happening, then they're not going to bust down your door. So what they do, and Jack Posobiec was also swatted during Christmas. Um, there was also another one, Representative Brandon Williams, from the, the Republican from New York. He was also swatted. And so what they do is they call the police, and this is crazy. So, for instance, specifically for Jack Posobiec, they told the police that he had shot his parents and were threatening to shoot his entire family. And so the police bust down the door, guns drawn, because they're, what, they don't have time to confirm or deny the story. Someone's saying there's an active shooter, and so what are you going to do? The police can't, they don't, it's not the police fault. What are they supposed to do? Just be like, okay, well, we're going to investigate first. We're going to look inside, knock on the door, and see if everything's okay. They, they just said there is a shooting. The parents have already been killed. And he's going to kill the rest of the family. Yeah, the, the SWAT team's going to bust down the door. So it's not the police's fault for that. But these people who are doing this, they are wicked, wicked people. Because what are they hoping for? They're hoping that the police are going to kill you. They are weaponizing the police to kill people. I don't think people understand how big of a deal that is. Because whenever the police bust down your door, guns drawn, what happens if you, as a private citizen in your own home, what if you are carrying? And what if the police bust down your door and you don't know who that is? Someone just busted down your door. You have no idea who just kicked your door down. You draw your weapon because you don't know the police. And the police see you with a weapon. And now they're just confirmed. Oh, yeah, I was reported. He has a gun. He's been killing people in his home. He just pulled out a weapon. Okay, we have to take him out. Then they just successfully weaponize the police to kill an innocent private citizen. And then imagine what the police officer is going to feel like afterwards. He just killed an innocent person. He's executed an innocent person. It's absolute the worst possible thing that someone could do in the United States right now to weaponize the police in this way because it creates more distrust for the police because it is weaponizing the police. It's ruining the lives of those police officers. It's ruining the lives of the people who are getting swatted. It is wasting resources that could be used in other places. It is overall a entirely the worst possible thing that a private individual can do with just a single phone call. Now, these people are being tracked down. Thanks be to God. You know, it's almost and I, I hesitate to say this, but it's almost a blessing that they decided to swat two Republican Republicans because these people actually are in the government so they can actually affect change and put things 
in place to try to crack down on this because this has been happening for years. A lot of, a lot of conservative or even libertarian, like Tim Pool, he got swatted uh, like six or seven times. So much so that the police started calling them ahead of time. We're like, hey, we just got a call. Is this true? Is what's going on? And they don't even like bust down his door anymore because they're like, oh, yeah, we get calls all the time trying to swat your house. And no one's been, there's not been any major trials for anything. So now hopefully, hopefully this will cause people to say, okay, we're going to actually crack down on this. And what these people should be charged with is attempted murder or of hiring a hitman or Maybe they should be charged with whatever it is that they were accusing those people of doing. There needs to be a very, very harsh penalty that it's inflicted upon these people because one of the aspects of punishment, people like to think that punishment is for rehabilitating people. And that is one aspect of punishment, but it's not the primary reason that we punish people. The primary reason is actually justice. That's the primary reason. But one of the main reasons is a deterrent. So you have to deter people from wanting to do this again. So if you want to deter people from doing this, you have to crack down on it hard. You have to punish these people to the fullest extent of the law. And I don't know what the law, if there's already laws on the books in terms of weaponizing the police this way. But if there's not, I would, that's my recommendation. I would say that these people should be charged with attempted murder. They should be charged with attempted murder because they are trying to kill you with the police. An absolutely despicable action. So I'm glad, I'm praise be to God that all these people are are not have not been killed. And people who accuse the police of having a trigger finger, and people who are saying, "Oh yeah, uh, police just want to kill innocent people and they hate on the police," if that was true, all these people would be dead. And nobody would blame the police either because, I mean, they, they didn't know. And so I'm grateful that no one was harmed. That all these different people, Jack Posobiec, his family, Marjorie, Tor- uh, Marjorie Tor- Taylor Green, Williams, Brandon Williams, that they're all safe. And I've been told that there have been a number of other people who just haven't told people publicly because they just don't want that kind of attention. But a number of other conservatives... And probably a lot of other politicians that I also haven't told anybody have been swatted. And during Christmas time, imagine, why do they do it on Christmas? Are they trying to threaten their entire family? Absolutely despicable. Because they know that this is the time of Christ's birth. This is the time where our Lord Jesus Christ who is a savior of mankind, who is a light of the world, a light that shineth in the darkness, that they want to ruin that. They want to cause a cloud to calm it over, to hide away that light of Christ. And I say we don't let them. I say we be joyful today, that we rejoice today because we are still in the Christmas season. Christmas just started no matter what anybody says, and we should be joyful. And let's spread that joy to everyone we meet. We want to make sure that we are preaching the good news of the gospel and we recognize that we should be merry. 
God rest ye, merry gentlemen. And nothing you dismay, right? These Christmas songs, these Christmas hymns, uh, we should really listen to the words we're actually saying and not just go along with the tunes because these are beautiful songs. And people, uh, my God rest ye, merry gentlemen, is one of my favorite Christmas songs. And uh, people always say, God rest ye, uh, God rest ye, merry gentlemen, or is it God rest ye, comma, merry gentlemen? Is it is the gentleman merry, or are they telling you to rest in a merriment? And that, that's what it is, actually. It's God rest you, merry, comma, gentlemen. So they're trying to tell you to be merry. Rest in your merriment. And I think that's something that we should recognize during the Christmas season. We should not be dismayed. And I, I'm just going to read the, 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 the lyrics to you because I think it's beautiful and it's something to meditate upon when we see so many bad things happening in the world. I just, I, I love Christmas so much. I love the Christmas hymns. I love Christmas carols. I sing them all the time, even when it's not Christmas season. But the version goes, God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay, for Jesus Christ our Savior was born upon this day to save poor souls from Satan's power, which long time has gone astray, which brings tidings of comfort and joy. Now, there's other versions of it because it's actually the original version is a little antiquated. It was written in the 1650s. And so it's like old English or middle English, rather. It's like middle English. And so you get um, people have translated it into modern English and there's various versions of it. So you may know it a different way. But isn't that right? Like Christ was born on Christmas Day. Christ was born and so what do we do? We're, we're going we're gonna to be dismayed. We're going to be depressed. We're going to be sad. Why? Don't be sad. Our Lord was born. He's come to save us. And he's going to come again. And so we should rejoice instead. We should rejoice and tell everybody the good news of the gospel. Because there's going to be people out there who want to advance the kingdom of Satan. Those who would love for darkness to come over the world. For us to damn our souls. There are many people who want that. Who want that for you. Who want that for me. And how do we let them win? We let them win by giving in. By being depressed. By despairing. So instead, let us have hope in the Lord. Instead, let us look forward to the coming of Christ. Let us rejoice and hold our Lord in our hearts. For no one can take that away from us. No one. They can take away our body. But they cannot take away our souls. Only we can give that away. So who are we going to give it away to? Are we going to give it away to Satan? Or are we going to give it away to Christ? Today, I say, let's give our hearts to Christ. We're going to go into our fear and trembling game show. We're going to give away prizes and you could be the winner. 877-757-9424. Today's the day we're going to give away the prize. 877-757-9424. Call now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling right after this. 
Catholic radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave to GRNs for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. So many of us strive for peace in our lives. Peace with the events of the world. Peace from conflict with friends, family, or co-workers. Or peace with ourselves. As Christians, we must be prepared to engage in a tumultuous world and the daily battles that exist. Please consider penance and reconciliation as a way to peace, a spiritual practice to prepare for a greater coming of Christ into our lives. Oh my God, I am heartily sorry for having offended Thee, and I detest all my sins because of Thy just punishments, but most of all because they offend Thee, my God, who art all good and deserving of all my love. I firmly resolve with the help of thy grace to sin no more and to avoid the near occasion of sin. Amen. This has been Michael Gisandi with a bit of Catholic encouragement. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could be a winner. It's very simple. That's all you have to do. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me right here. And the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. Rudy's going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. This week we are giving away a copy of... uh... Well, it's going to be a gentleman's choice for us. We're going to pick out a book by our good friend Alan Smith, our friend from the Great White North, and he is our resident Fulton Sheen expert. You can listen to him every Thursday here on Catholic Drive Time. He's a wonderful compiler of the works of Fulton Sheen. So we're going to send you one of his books uh, today, actually. We're going to draw the prize. Well, there you go, folks. So if you have an opportunity today, make sure you call in 877-757-9424. If you don't get on today, well, next week we're going to give away prizes again. So the day is coming, though, very soon. Well, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here, but they may or may not be a day where we stop giving away prizes. And that could come at a very, very soon very soon it'll happen so just um a little bit of what rudy would call foreshadowing some would say some would say some might say it it's true it's true all right then let's see we got someone on the line right here and joining us right now is cindy and jeff good morning to you good morning hey good morning and where are you calling in from 
Well, we're on the road in Dallas, but we're heading towards uh, Nashville to visit our daughter. Hey, praise be to God. I, you know, I've only been to Tennessee one time, and it was to drive through. I was picking up a friend from uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, on a way to Pennsylvania, and that was uh, the only time I've ever been in Tennessee. So, uh, what is there anything cool in Tennessee? Have Have y'all been there often? We've We've only been to Nashville one other time. Our daughter just moved there from Memphis. She's a regular Dallas person, but um, we've only been there one other time. But Nashville is a lot of fun. It's uh, got a great downtown uh, nightlife. Got a great Catholic community, so it's it's a lot of fun there. Oh, there you go, Rudy. Uh, CDT trip to uh, Nashville, <laughs> uh, putting Catholic Drive on the drive. How about after after the show today? Okay, we'll be on our way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, praise be to God. Thank you very much for calling in this morning. Now, before we jump into the game, tell me about uh, your Christmas. How, are y'all done celebrating? Did you already take down the tree? Uh, are you still celebrating? Well, we're definitely still celebrating. In fact, we're bringing Christmas to Nashville. Hey. So, Praise be to God. I would love to hear it. Yeah, yeah, will be up for a while. Awesome, awesome. We'd love <laughs> to hear it. Now, okay, before we jump in, last question before we jump in. Do y'all have a real tree or a, or a fake tree? No, we do artificial trees. It, it's it's much faster and easier for us. Yeah, so same. <laughs> <laughs> I I always forget the people in the like the the Northeast. They everyone has real trees, but growing up. We always had a fake tree, and yeah. most of my friends all had fake trees. And so I didn't even think, honestly, for the longest time, I didn't realize that people had real trees until way later. Yeah, it's, you know what? It, it's even harder for, for like Catholics who actually wait to decorate, because then by the time you're ready to decorate, all the ones that are out there, are they're dry, they're ugly. It's like slim pickings, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and people were like, Adrian, I can't leave my tree up. It'll catch on fire. I was like, oh, yeah, people, you have real trees. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, folks. Well, praise be to God, Cindy and Jeff. Thank you all for calling in this morning. Are you all familiar with the game? Do you know how to play? We are. Perfect, perfect. So you know Rudy can be tricky. Are you ready to jump into it? Absolutely. All right, let's do it. Rudy, first question for you. <sighs> Here we go. Hmm. This one strikes to the heart. Rudy, what did Judas do after he betrayed our Lord? Ah, Judas, Judas, Judas. Judas Iscariot. So after he betrayed our Lord, there was a a sentimental sequence, kind of like you see in the 80s movies. It was actually, it was inspired by what happened in the scriptures. And there was this... The scene where you see all the disciples, the, you know, they, they go to the respective places that they're meant to be. Judas, he becomes this like really unhappy, kind of just depressed fast food worker. And that's what happens to him. They just show a little cutscene of him working at McDonald's and uh, the rest of them, they go on to glory. Okay. Can you summarize that for me? Was, he uh, becomes a really unhappy clerk. Okay. Yeah. He becomes a really unhappy clerk. Yeah. All right. Clearly, you weren't paying attention. I was clearly. I mean, I mean, that could be a book. I, you're just you. <laughs> you told me an entire novel. But all right, Jeff, Cindy, fifteen seconds on the clock. The question on the board is: What did Judas do after he betrayed our Lord? Well, Rudy wrote a novel for us, and he said that he goes off and. He becomes a clerk. Uh, what say you, 
Jeff and Cindy. Well, is we he were, right or is he wrong? We were, we were just at McDonald's. Those people were really happy. They served us up a couple nice coffee, so it doesn't sound right there. The only thing Rudy had right is that Judas was unhappy, so that. we're going to have to say he's wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. Uh, survey let's says... Let's take a look. That is correct, you guys. Yeah, I mean, he was, in fact, unhappy. That is true. That is true. But no, he actually threw his silver away, and then he hung himself. So, not good. Not good. The first part was good, giving away the silver, throwing it back, but we definitely should not be hanging ourselves. Instead, we should imitate Peter. When he betrayed our Lord, he repented and asked our Lord for forgiveness, wept tears, and repented, whereas... Judas despaired and ended his life. So, very good. Y'all did wonderful. Cindy and Jeff, are you ready for question number two? We are. All right, let's do it. Rudy, question number two for you. The question on the board. Wow, this is a... All right. Blank were Jews who were tax collectors for the Romans in the days of our Lord and as such were held in contempt. Hmm. Fill in the blank. Blank were Jews who were tax collectors. If I recall correctly, they are called fiscal conservatives. Ah. Fiscal conservatives were a group of Jews who were tax collectors for the Romans. That makes sense. I see what you're saying. I am picking up what you are putting down, as the cool kids say. Am I am I young? Are you cool? Am I cool? I've never been accused of that before. All right, Jeff and Cindy, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, blank were Jews who were tax collectors for the Romans in the days of our Lord, and as such were held in contempt. Rudy says, fiscal conservatives, obviously. Uh, what say you, Jeff and Cindy? We say thank you, Rudy, for the Christmas gift of making this easy for us to say well. <laughs> all right let's see survey says that is correct (laughs) that is correct no there i mean were there i guess there were probably fiscal conservatives in that time too but that's obviously not what we're talking about we're talking about the publicans the publicans were the jews who were tax collectors for the romans in the days of our lord and as such were held in contempt like Matthew, right? Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go, folks. All right. You see, even tax collectors can be saved. I'm looking at you, uh, IRS. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff and Cindy, are you ready for question number three? We are. Let's do it. That's what you should have said. You should have said IRS. That would have been funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The question number three. How does Genesis describe God making the first woman all right genesis so crack open the bible all i right. know i know you guys have uh, obviously have read your bible and i always i mean i attempted to read the bible cover to cover but um i at least got through genesis right so okay so you know there's not a lot of materials you can make humans out of you can make them out of clay though so god took a big pile of clay but he okay. didn't want to get his hands dirty so mm. he took one of Adam's ribs, and he carved the clay out with his ribs. So the answer would be... He fashioned her from clay with a rib. 
All right. 15 seconds on the clock, Cindy and Jeff. The question on the board is, how does Genesis describe God making the first woman? Rudy says that our Lord got a rip from Adam, used it as a tool to carve clay. Because which, he didn't want to get his hands Because he didn't want to get his hands dirty. Um, what say you, Jeff and Cindy? Well, I don't think... I don't think God was worried about getting his hands dirty, but he used Adam's rib. So this is what I'm. This is where I'm confused. So I, I want to say he used Adam's rib to make woman, but to not get his hands dirty, I don't know about that. So you got me. You got hmm. me stumped. That's my answer. All right. <laughs> All right. I need. I need a yes or a no. Gonna need a yes or a oh, no. I'll say no. I'm gonna say no. I'm You're gonna, gonna say, say no. no. Okay. All yeah, right. The hands dirty. The hands dirty. All mm. right. Let's see. Survey says. Mm. I'm gonna give it to you. That is correct. I'm I mean, give it to you. I mean, he's right. He's right. <laughs> I mean, he did not take Adam's rib and use it to make to use it to make clay. He formed him out of his rib. Yeah. Yeah. So out of your rib. It is correct. That is correct. That it was from Adam's rib, but Rudy was being tricky. It was not using the rib to carve clay so our Lord wouldn't get his hands dirty. So, so anyway. I embellish some details. All right. So I embellish. He's changing the Bible. All, All right. right. Uh, drummer, boy, drummer boy, let's go. You have a 50-50 chance, Jeff and Cindy, so let's find uh, out. All right. Uh, draw boy. that name. Cindy and Jeff. Thank you, Drummer chances? Boy. Let's go. 50-50. That's what the chances are. Stay on the phone. <laughs> We're going to get your information. Amen. Stay on the phone, Jeff and Cindy. God bless y'all. Y'all rocked it. Have a safe trip to Tennessee. And uh, give our regards to all the people in Tennessee. Tell them they need to get a uh, a Catholic Drive Time station over there in the Guadalupe Radio Network station so they can hear Catholic Drive Time in Tennessee. All right, we're going to go into the after show. Stay with us. You can hop on our social media, Facebook, Rumble, YouTube, Twitter. Look up Catholic Drive Time and interact with us. I'd love to hear your comments. Talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. But if not, see you tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing.
Glory to the newborn King. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who through the blessed Apostle John have unlocked for us the secrets of your word, grant, we pray, that we may grasp with proper understanding what he has so marvelously brought to our ears. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the beginning of the first letter of St. John. Beloved, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked upon and touched with our hands, concerns the word of life. For the life was made visible. We have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was made visible to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim now to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. For our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing this so that our joy may be complete. The word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. 
The Lord is king, let the earth rejoice, let the many isles be glad. Cloud and darkness are around him, justice and judgment are the foundation of his throne. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his justice, and all peoples see his glory. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. Light dawns for the just, and gladness for the upright of heart. Be glad in the Lord, you just, and give thanks to his holy name. Joyce in the Lord, you just. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. We praise you, O God, we acclaim you as Lord. The glorious company of apostles praise you. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we do not know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there, and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It is really a beautiful thing that we celebrate the feast of St. John the Evangelist, also known as the Beloved Disciple, on, during the Christmas octave, because it is he who writes in that first reading, what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have touched with our own hands. This is what we proclaim to you, that God who had come to us, who had been in, who's incarnate in the flesh, really came. And we have heard and seen him and touched him. Now, of course, we don't get to touch Jesus. Well, we do in some ways and through Holy Communion. But not, in, of course, in the same way, not in that physical sense. But they did. And that's what they proclaim to us. They are the first witnesses of this. And we benefit because we have heard their testimony. And that testimony is not just something that we've heard and just think about. But we have believed in our hearts and have actually an experience in our life. We have come to an encounter with Jesus as well. He is one who is very close to Jesus. I think that's what this Christmas season really reminds us of, that we can come so close to Jesus. When we come to the little manger scene, we want to come closer and closer because we want to be close to Jesus. 
It is one, someone once suggested that John, you know, of course, arriving at the tomb first, as we hear in the gospel, he looked in, he saw how the cloths were folded up. Because he knew he was so, he knew Jesus so well, he knew how he folded his clothes. So he believed, he knew it was the Lord that had risen from the dead. And he believed. This is the one who rested his head on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper, who kind of knows the secrets to the heart of Jesus. If you ever have a chance to read the book In Sine Jesu, which is private revelations to a, a Benedictine monk, but a kind of Johannine spirituality, where he would say, you know, he was, that Jesus was always happy when this monk would come to spend time with him. Not that he had something he had to do, but that should you come and spend time with him. John is so, in a way, so much identified with Jesus that when we, we hear it in another, in another part of the gospel, when on Jesus on the cross, he tells his mother, behold your son. I remember when I was younger, I thought that he was telling his mother to behold her son, Jesus, who's on the cross. This is your son who is now crucified. But I recognized later that I didn't have that quite right when I was a kid, that the, the son that he is pointing out is John, who is standing there at the foot of the cross. Jesus entrusting uh, his, 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 John to his mother, but also his mother to her, now her, her new son, who is John. And of course, we know that he took her into, at that moment, into his home. John is so close to Jesus. And that's where we want to be as well. It is very important that we understand how deeply God is to us and how close he is and who he truly truly is, that he is filled with goodness, mercy, and compassion to let us know him as the loving father that God is, who raises us when we have fallen, who never tires of forgiving us, and to whom we give great joy and honor when we seek his forgiveness. Sometimes I tell people who say, you know, I, and they confess I haven't been to Mass. He's like, remember, just remember one thing. God desires us. He loves us, and he so, he so appreciates when we come to worship him more than, more than we're, we're, we are less excited to come. He is always excited to see us. When, when, we, when we discover that, in our encounter with the Lord, then we recognize the closeness and the greatness that God has called us to, to be with him. May St. John the Evangelist teach us and inspire us to come close to the Lord, only to recognize that God has come so much closer to us that he has already made three-quarters of the journey, and that his desire for us is so much greater than our desire for him, to be in that close relationship. May, in this Christmas season, we become really close and beloved to the Lord Jesus. Amen. Let us, dear brothers and sisters, to the Lord who, being rich, has become poor in order to make us rich, turn our prayers and petitions to him for the Holy Church, that all her faithful may live with joy and announce with courage the mystery of the Son of God, only Lord and Savior of all men. Let us pray to the Lord.
for those who seek the truth, that they discover the gospel and welcome with joy the good news of the birth of our Savior. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who mourn the absence of loved ones during these holy days, that they, would, that they don't lose hope in the kingdom of God, let us pray to the Lord. For those who celebrated in the past with these Christmas, this Christmas feast, but have already left us this world to return to the Father, that they may behold the glorious face of Christ the Lord in the eternal kingdom, let us pray to the Lord. For those joining us on Guadalupe Radio, online, in the intentions that we hold in our hearts, let us pray to the Lord. Show us, O Lord, your goodness to the people who implore you, and make those of us who celebrate the joy of the birth of your Son, let us, let us receive the goods that we have asked for, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let all mortal flesh keep silence And with fear and trembling stand Ponder nothing earthly-minded <clears throat> For with blessing in his hand Christ our God to earth descendeth Our full homage to demand King of kings yet born of Mary As of old on earth he stood Lord of lords in human vesture, in the body and the blood, he will give to all the faithful his own self for heavenly food. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Sanctify the offerings we have made, O Lord, we pray, and grant that from the banquet of this supper we may draw the hidden wisdom of the eternal word, just as from this same source you revealed it to your Apostle John, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For on the feast of this awe-filled mystery, though invisible in his own divine nature, he has appeared visibly in ours, 
and begotten before all ages, he has begun to exist in time. So that raising up in himself all that was cast down, he might restore unity to all creation, and call straying humanity back to the heavenly kingdom. And so with all the angels we praise you, as in joyful celebration we acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he, who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. John, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. 
May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth. With your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer to the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy. You should enter under my roof. But only say the word and my soul shall be. For those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. 
I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. We pray, Almighty God, that the Word made flesh, proclaimed by the blessed Apostle John, may through this mystery which we have celebrated ever dwell among us, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing Joy to the world, the Savior reigns Let men their songs employ While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.